Swinet. It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. We know what those maximum performance are for average daily gain, right? And we have very good models for that and, and, and I have my models too. But with this happening, it was ironic because I had to look farther back, right? I, I, like how far and how slow I wanted to bring these pigs down um, it was kind of created a renewal of finding that information. Hey, if I go to 90% or 87% or whatever that number is, how slow can I throw those pigs and what's that impact on feed efficiency? Swinet podcast is only possible with the support of forward-looking and innovative sponsors like NutriQuest, experts serving producers and delivering breakthrough solutions. Genesis, the first power in genetics. Zinpro, essential trace minerals, exceptional performance. Every pig, a simple yet powerful pig health and production management tool. Just all, always one step ahead in swine feeding. Welcome to Swine Eat Podcast. My name is Marcel Gonçalves, your host for today's episode. This episode's sponsor highlight is about Genesis. Genesis is the largest independent producer of high health registered purebred swine in the globe, having over 80% of all registered purebred breeding stock in Canada. The Genesis genetic program uses genomic selection strategies focused on productivity, faster growth, efficiency, high yield, and meat quality. To know more, go to genesis.com. G-E-N-E-S-U-S dot com. Hello, everyone. Today, we want to chat about production, nutrition, research. Chad, you're a very smart guy, and I love talking to you. So how the last several weeks have been for you? Yeah, so certainly, I think most of us are all in this boat of uh, changing times. So, uh, you know, we were marching through uh, late winter and, and uh, I would say normal and, and uh, I think everybody all experienced the low commodity prices and as nutritionists, our job is to influence that economics. And so we slowed pigs down and uh, we all experienced the COVID um, symptoms. And, and so as things evolve and they continue to evolve, uh, they've changed and I would say the answer and solution for every person either on this call or within the swine industry is different. Our experience so far has been that um, going into it, we, we were getting current, what I would say more current on weight or we brought our weights down. Luxury, if you want to call it that, because we had a, a few PERS breaks. And so um, we had some space to give. And, and, and now as the, the plant slowdowns or shutdowns or whatever you want to call them have occurred, um, we've been able to uh, accept more of that. And so I would say until about two or three weeks ago, for us, anyway, here at uh, NFP, uh, is when we started some of the interventions that, you know, my job became more active in, in, in the slowdown of, of animals uh, going to market. And so I know uh, a lot of our industry partners have experienced it before then, um, but that's really kind of um, what's happened to us. And so I would say in the last three weeks, my job has become more interesting. If you want to call that the right word? Um, 
And, and so that, that's really how we are. And, and we're trying to manage that probably on a barn by barn basis based on what animals we're able to market. So, so that, that, that's really kind of the changes that we've seen in the last couple of weeks. From a nutrition standpoint, Chad, um, if you can highlight for us some of the strategies that, that you had to implement. I think, uh, you know, a lot of us knew some of these. And um, I know uh, you mentioned a couple really good names on this call, and, and there's probably more. What I would, I would say was kind of interesting is, is if I go back, like Marcio, some of the work you did when you were with PIC and, and any of the other things is we, we know what those maximum performance are for average daily gain, right? And we have very good models for that, and, and, and I have my models too. But with this happening, um, it was ironic because I had to look farther back, right? I, I, like how far and how slow I wanted to bring these pigs down, um, it was kind of created a renewal of finding that information. Hey, if I go to 90% or 87% or whatever that number is, how slow can I throw those pigs and what's that impact on feed efficiency? Mm -hmm. And we, probably most of us know generally what the optimal performance is, but this whole slowing them down less than optimal performance was kind of new. Mm -hmm. and so I uh, spent a lot of time trying to review that and model that. Um, asked a lot of people, you know, what are the interactive effects if, if we're deficient in or limiting in, in several amino acids, what does that impact have? And, and so um, I think some of the work that Iowa State has done has been pretty valuable uh, and timely in the industry. Um, I know there's lots of people who have lots of strategies. Um, you know, like the fiber strategy, I think, is, is really good and it's interesting. Um, but like a lot of people that went to it, um, it, it became difficult to find the fiber source, at least for us, mm -hmm. uh, so we could do that and implement it. Um, because, you know, shortly before all this happened, the ethanol industry kind of backed off. Uh, and so the availability of distillers um, also had changed or became cost prohibitive. And, and so that, that kind of influences somewhere in there. Um, I think, you know, some of the, the mostly corn diet uh, works well. Um, the calcium chloride diet, I think, is something that people have done at various times. Um, the calcium phosphorus ratio um, is interesting that people have implemented. Um, and, and the branched chain amino acids are isoleucine deficient, um, I think, gives a response. And so... You know, we really kind of looked at a combination of those things. And, um, you know, my job in, in Orbs was to hold as many of these pigs uh, as so we can slowly let them get to market. And, and so we kind of used a combination of them uh, to our solution to get the immediate effect. And then hopefully moving forward here, we'll, we will manage them on a better on a group by group basis. Very cool. Do you have a, a good guess for how many days? Did you buy with that strategy? So uh, interesting, right before the call, um, the, the guy, gentleman, Cody, who is responsible for marketing, gave me a call, and he, he kind of said that you, you, you might actually know what you're doing because uh, mm -hmm. it would appear that pigs that we had last week, I held to the same weight as we did this week. Okay. Um, wow. So, you know, we've been doing that strategy for, depending on, on the bomb barns, 10 days. Now, that, that's not our long-term solution, right? Um, so, 
you know, we pushed, let's say, market pigs at our 280 down to looks like about four to four and a half pound uh, inclusion. And, and so how that was done was uh, probably a combination of isoleucine thing, a um, little bit less lysine would, would probably be in, in a little bit of the calcium phosphorus thing uh, in combination with just raising the barn temperature slightly. That worked for us. Now, how other people, you know, you really got to look through and, and figure out which one works. But um, so far, that's what we're doing. And, and I think what people have to remember is um, if you look, we have a normal distribution within our system of pig weight, right? Mm-hmm. But as we market them, we'll, we'll have some bigger uh, pigs that we need to get out. And those are barns, but then within those barns, right, we have another subpopulation that we still want to grow, so we, we get them out. But, but weight is one thing, and time or access um, to barn is a different thing. So you can have pigs that started at the same time, right, mm-hmm. and some grew faster than the other, and, you know, you could have empty barns and they're ready to receive pigs over here, but this one that grew slower has more pigs coming in, but they're not of the ideal weight. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to manage that uh, within and across our system better because we have barns that are, you know, of heavy market weight and need to go, and we have barns that need to go just because they're not um, of market weight. So they, we, we, I think people are going to get better at managing that. Appreciate that, Chad. So, okay, that's COVID-19, and I think uh, everyone, at least to some degree, it's a little tired of this whole thing that's happening for eight, uh, eight weeks, and it's tough for everyone, uh, especially there in Midwest chat. But if we can put a hold on that for a minute here, how's everything else going? So mm-hmm. pr- production-wise, I guess, uh, any strategy that you're doing or nutrition-wise or research, if you can just uh, give some updates uh, overall. Yeah. So um, outside of that, I would say, you know, production wise is doing really well. Um, you know, sow farms are performing well. We, we continue to march forward with um, sow productivity. I would say that we've seen uh, along with industry um, or growth rates and uh, feed conversions prior to this were, in, in, or were, were pretty decent, right? Um, there's some variability in there that probably need to work and, and push out of the system pretty happy with the genetic progress that we're making. We're seeing uh, improvement in um, or, or pigs weaning per sow and so forth over the last couple of years. Um, I'd say we kind of have a, a renewed interest in the past several months or maybe a little bit longer than that years of uh, on, on sow body condition score and pre-weaning mortality, right? Um, so so that that's really come back uh, to, to help us get the, the most uh, valuable, valuable pigs out of the system. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so forth. On the research side, you know, Zach and I, and, and we've been working with various people on, on different things. Um, one of the int- things that uh, I would say that, that's personally interested me is, uh, and I think I've talked with a couple of you on it, is uh, we're looking at that influence of um, sow parity on uh, guilt uh, or offspring performance, right? Okay. And so we, we've always known that Piglets from gilt litters were lighter or had more of an immune challenge maybe than others. Um, and so we went, we kind of went back and looked at if, uh, is there interventions that we can do either on the farm um, or with these animals that would help their immune status if it's a direct fed microbial or so, something 
and, and what we've found um, is that the, those differences in guilt litters are, are probably much greater than we expected um, mm -hmm. in the past. I think a lot of people, when I've talked to them, you know, they've seen those differences, you know, two to three pounds at the end of um, the nursery phase. Um, you know, uh, in, in our data sets, we'd say that it's probably closer to five, maybe greater. Um, and by the time we get to, to finishing, we certainly can double that. Mm -hmm. um, they're uh, the majority of the pigs that we're treating and pulling off and, and giving care to. So we are just trying to work with ways that we could identify them um, to make it easier for production staff to help them make a full value pig in, in our system. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we were working on some uh, different projects with that. Um, we probably did a series of three or four studies, haven't found really anything that, that jumped out that gave us a benefit yet. Um, okay. And so I think we'll pick up some of that research here going forward again. Okay. Uh, I have a question on that arena. So if I understood correctly, you're looking at, you know, guilt leaders and ways to help them out, right? Strategies yeah. to improve the, the performance. Okay. It's interesting. I mean, boy, I was, we just had a webinar, another webinar a few months ago or so. And my bias is that based on Mike Ellis' work and others, is that it's extremely hard to change those uh, things, at, at least to change it. If you, how can I say, if you put an intervention and you maintain that intervention all the way to the end, maybe you're going to be fine. But if you change it and then you take that intervention away, it's, it, it's almost like they're likely going to go back to normal in general. Not always, but that's my bias. But I, I appreciate the, the efforts and that's how we progress. Yeah, I yeah, and I would, I would say you're, you're exactly right, and that's what we experienced because it, it seems for us in our data would, would say that, you know, there's maybe a small window in there where, you know, these nutritional like direct-fed microbials or something, we can influence it, but it's for a very small phase, right? Um, and even if we go longer, it, it washes out. And, and, and one of the questions I've always had is, is if we add these copper and zinc products, how is that influencing the gut microbiome? Because it's really kind of set right early in that suckling period as they go through. And, and so I, I, I don't know if we can influence it. The, the one thing that was interesting, um, we had done, you know, uh, Dr. Murray and, and, and some others had, had worked with some people here to, to look at the microbiome of different sow farms, right? And we follow, and, and we thought that we could influence them by providing inoculating at the sow farm. We didn't get much of a result after that. And, mm -hmm. and so we had done a work, um, I'd worked with some people here about two years ago, and we went through and we characterized, right, the microbiome, what we had what we called good flows and poor flows, right? Mm -hmm. And there was no similarities um, between them because, uh, and, and so I really think we don't know yet what that microbiome is for a good flow versus a bad flow. So I don't, I don't know what to change it to, I guess. That, that would be our experience so far. Interesting. Yeah, and I've seen, Chad, uh, same thing, a few microbiome studies where when we stopped the, the stimulus or whatever intervention, in a week or two, we went back to the normal flora, you know. So I'll be, I'll be curious to see any other studies where that remained all the way to the end, you know. Yeah, and I think, you know, there's lots of, you know, there, there seems to be lots of good work that's continuing to be done in this uh, space, right? Um, yeah. But uh, at least for us, I remain cautious because if I find something that works within what I call one production flow, 
I don't know if it'll work within a different production flow, right? Because those gut bugs are different between those flows. And so um, I, I would be really cautious to, to apply that um, logic o over all of them. Very good, Chad. Makes sense. Uh, we got uh, two questions here. We want to see more questions, guys, more questions. Uh, first question from Chad Risley. Uh, he's asking about if you're implementing uh, any feed uh, mitigation strategies to control or lower the risk of possible feed uh, pathogens. Yeah, so, so today, you know, with the cost of things and, and so forth, um, we, uh, we're using a fat product in the um, sow diets, in the boar studs, really. Uh, to manage uh, that portion, uh, the grow finish herd, we're not. Um, so if we looked at an overall risk management uh, standpoint, trying to those early pigs where they're most vulnerable and in the sow farms, right, um, is, is where we're, we're, we're kind of trying to mitigate them, I guess. So uh, one of the questions I've, I've had for several of you guys and, and others is, as a nutritionist, right, we like to do economic calculations. I think Marcio, you've talked about that recently with lots of different people, right? But it's difficult for us because we know certainly what the cost of those pathogen mitigants are, right? But what the return is. So mm -hmm. I think everybody looks at them a little bit different. Um, and today they're just difficult to look at. But today that that we, we've remained that within our system, uh, given the current environment, protecting the sow farms and the, and the early nursery pigs. That makes sense, Chad. Uh, had a uh, Dan Dan Jones. Hey, hey, Dan. Uh, he 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 mentioned about the microbiome. So he says that change to microbiome in trials would be expected to go back to the population microbiome unless the treatment that changes that microbiome is implemented farm wide. And I would probably add that again, if if you do farm wide but you stop, then likely. You might, I don't know. I don't know for sure. That's based on the data that I've seen. So, but, that, but that's interesting. Thanks, Dan. Any other thoughts there, Chad, before we go to the next uh, few questions we have here? No, I, I, I have an analogy, but I'll be politically correct. You know, I'll probably hold it uh, for now. Otherwise, you might get kicked off of Facebook, Marcio. Um, All right. But no yeah, it, it's difficult to, to, to change that um, and repopulate it long term. Very good. Ben? Barkovich, hey Ben, uh, he's asking about, uh, he has some flow of pigs with uh, pelleted diets with very, very poor pellet quality. And uh, do you have any recommendations to help improve pellet quality? Uh, and he also seen lots of stomach ulcers and, and things like that. And I know you, you love that subject there, uh, Chad. Yeah, uh, so Ben, I'll, I'll tell you, um, I, I am fortunate that I live in the Midwest and I have lots of corn and lots of soybean meal around me, so it, it's really difficult for us to pellet. So today we're not a pelleting system, but uh, for the viewers and, and people's amusement, I'll tell you a quick story. Mm -hmm. So early in my career, I worked for a feed company and uh, we used to make pelleted feed, right? And we'll just call, so I'm fresh out of uh, undergraduate school and I'm the plant superintendent at this new feed mill and I'm supervising people probably almost twice my age, right? So they, they took advice pretty well, um, <laughs> not to say the least. But uh, my question for you, this is Ben, is do you see a difference within the week? Because I was pained by the second week that there, I learned that the pellet operator, we'll call him Mike, Mike could only pellet 60 ton of feed on Monday, 
right? That, that's all he could tell it, right? But on Friday, for some reason, he would get through all 120 ton before one o'clock and be gone. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's kind of back to that classic uh, Monday car thing. Um, sorry, but I don't have any other advice on pellet quality than you couldn't find anywhere else. But yeah, uh, Ben said, yeah, it changes. He said it does change every week for him. And then, then John said it, yeah, that's classic. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough one there, right? Uh, but I guess the overall comments on those areas that as long as it's less than 20% uh, fines, and, and some people even argue, I know some large systems that even say, look, uh, I'm not as concerned about pellet quality as long as it's flowing uh, in, the, in the lines, you know. And, and, and actually, Marcio, you know, keep conversation. I know Dan and there's some other people you know, on the system. I, I think what's going to be interesting uh, this year um, is that with how the corn harvest was last year, and with several of us going to corn soy type diets, at least here in the Midwest, uh, as much as it a little bit pains me to say it is, we kind of miss that distillers for our feed flow standpoint, right? Mm. So as we start to go through summer, right, we, we see more of this fine powder stuff. And, you know, I think it's becoming more difficult for the mills to maintain uh, a good particle size or minimize the the amount under 300 microns you know like we often talk about right and and so well i may take credit for holding those pigs down um some of it might go just to because of the amount of time that we have to beat on bins and auto feed events is um becoming more and i think that's going to be a real challenge as we move into hotter you know more humid type diets so yeah, yeah and one thing for sure there is that that uh, the data does suggest that when you pellet, you do see a little bit more um, uh, ulcers, right? So, very good. So, question from Dr. John Bergstrom. Hi, John. Uh, have you determined an optimal average herd parity for your system or herd parity structure based on the different uh, models that you've run? We have an idea, but I'm not sure if it's correct, um, quite honestly. Um, and, and so it's a little bit of a balancing act, and, and uh, I'm not really good at sow models, quite honestly. I know there's a couple of them out there. And so if you're having one willing to share with me, I think uh, Carrie uh, and I would, would uh, like to look at it. Uh, but we, we believe there's an opportunity there for us uh, to improve it. But sometimes I'm not sure if the, those sow models include the, the wean to finish performance differences between gilts and not. Um, if I remember correctly, uh, and when I looked through it, I think Dr. Boyd had done some uh, talks uh, several years ago, right? Uh, Dean had talked about parity segregated flow and the difference in production um, with some gain and, and some pig treatments and, and what that value is. Um, but today, I guess we don't, we haven't looked at it and I couldn't tell you, John, what that answer is. Very good. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, you know, especially genetic improvement and how do you, you know, is, if, if genetic improvement is going faster and faster, then that number is going to be changing too, right? The optimal balance, it's tough, tough one. Great. Go ahead, Chad. So, so that was a question that I had for you, Marcio, with your, with your background and, and, and people on, on, on the call is, so if you look within your genetic multiplication herd, right? And if you believe in this gut microbiome, so when, and I've talked to a couple of people on this, so when that piglet first suckles, right, 
if you took the piglets from, let's say, your gilt litters, right, because they're the highest indexing animals, mm -hmm. you were to suckle them, let's say, on a P2 or higher sow, right? Mm -hmm. Could you effectively influence the microbiome positively in that animal, which would then eventually influence the downstream production within that herd? Interesting. Right? So, so, so you would swap a, a, a maternal barrel for a, 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 a gilt, right? And you would try to do that early. Would that and, and somebody in, in my conversations with people have said that um, there's a benefit for it being on your own mother or not. Now I've not found that paper yet, um, but I think that's a interesting thing that you know we, we've talked about with Carrie and others to to see if it um, um, would, would be a benefit. Yeah, that's interesting. So what you're saying is basically. Because the improved genetics, no, not, not even the genetic companies know exactly what has been improved. They only know that they select for everything and you have a better pig, right? Because is it a little bit of an improved in microbiome? Maybe, right? So right. what you're saying that potentially improved microbiome, you know, could, could affect the not as good, not as updated genetic is, uh, from that standpoint. So that's interesting. Right. And, and, and could, you, could you improve... Your, your downstream productions with them by, by putting the, the good, you know, like some of this fecal transplant stuff that's happening out there, right? Could, could, could we change, um, a, a, let's say, an unhealthy flow to a healthy flow by simply providing more and more animals of, the, of a help, healthy biome into the farm? Yeah, there, there's some, some work for Dr. Nick Gabler in the call here and, and, uh, <laughs> and others. It's all in theory and, 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 and so forth. Somebody's got to get it done, though. Since 1971, Zinpro Corporation has focused on one thing, trace mineral nutrition. As the most research-proven organic feed trace mineral products in the industry, Zinpro Performance Minerals deliver performance and profitability to swine operations around the globe. To know more, go to zinpro.com. For knowledge and news from the global swine industry, access our partner, thepigsite.com. Chad, I have a few uh, what I call uh, random questions okay. um, that I like to know. I know we like everyone like likes pigs here, but I, but I also like to ask other things so we can all always get get better, improve ourselves. So, for you, uh, what's been one investment that or the best investment you've made? Could be time, energy, money. What's been something that you've done that, that turned out to be very, very helpful for you? Oh, boy. Um, something, an investment that I enjoy um, or an investment that I'm hoping gives me great returns or... Any, any, any of those. The, the best one. So the, one that is the, the thing I enjoy probably... The, um, it's not a boat. I don't have one. Sorry, man. <laughs> um, but... Uh, it, it, yeah, no, I live in Minnesota too. Uh, I would say it, it'd be my kids, right? Uh, I really enjoy, enjoy having them in, in conversations um, and so forth. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm gnashing my teeth as we go through some of the teenage years, something you need to look forward to, Marcio. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, I enjoy watching them learn and grow when they do it, right? That's always fun. Uh, the, you know, and, and I like to see how they mature and, and come along and so uh, the investment in time and, and putting effort into their um, development, uh, I, I really like that uh, when it works. 
I'm told that when I get to the other side of the teenage years, it'll be well worth it. So we'll see. Uh, but uh, cool. I, so I have uh, have uh, two teenage boys and an eight year old, and so very diverse um, population. But it's uh, <laughs> they're they're fun investments to, to spend time with. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. No, thanks for that. Other one I have, Chad, is what advice would you give to a smart, driven college student? about to enter the real world of the swine industry and also what advice should they ignore oh the best advice i would give you is don't believe everything you think so, and i'm uh one of these uh but I, I think i've gotten better of it um but sometimes we have these great ideas and and we stew on them especially in our jobs and and, and we'll do the math or we'll come up with a justification for what we believe is right and it might not be true and, and so i really encourage you to surround yourself with people who can give you honest feedback and say you know that's a nice idea but it's not right because xyz and and, and not the people that are going to be a pat on the back and say yep it's a great idea and go forth you still need them to when it is a good idea but you also need to have the people that say hey um but i remember when you're first out of school You've read all the books, you got the degree, you have all the ambition. Um, just, just be careful to, to remember that everything you think, um, it might not be right. Don't believe it. I like that. No, that's super good. I know, I know Elon, and I don't know Elon Musk. I wish I did. And you can <laughs> see the book here on the top. Even though if you guys saw the name of his baby that was born this week is the craziest name, name ever for, for a baby. But anyways, he says the same thing. He talks about, yeah, having uh, negative feedback really uh, is a good way to improve. So I appreciate that. How about uh, an advice that they, uh, people should ignore or young people should ignore? Yeah, that's a little bit harder. Um, what advice to ignore? One of the things that as a younger person coming out, you, you uh, challenge the status quo, right? And so when people say it can't be done, the, what I would say is, People that say it can't be done shouldn't interrupt those people who are doing it, right? And so if you move into an organization or, or something and they say, no, we can't do that or something, uh, ask why, right? Um, try to figure out because either because of a technology um, or habits, right? Mm -hmm. People are afraid to try something new. And, and, and even within uh, things that I've worked in, we've developed a habit and you just train the next person on doing it the same way. And there might've been a one-off to do it that way. And, and it's no longer valid. And, and so don't be afraid to challenge the status quo and, and understand. So just because somebody says it can't be done, doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. It means you need to understand why you shouldn't do it because you might have a better way. Yes. I love it. I think I saw that quote as well on uh, Dr. Mike, uh, Mike Tokash's office. I think he has that quote. Um, yep. I have two more questions. If, uh, if the folks uh, don't have any other questions, let me double check here. There's one that came in here. So uh, Johnny Lopez, hi Johnny. He's asking uh, with as much media that flows out today, communicating information in quotes, in swine production, nutrition, where does a busy person like yourself update oneself? Uh, that's a good question. So 
I go to Swinet. I talk to Marcio to get all my uh, answers. No, no plex, no plex. No, seriously. Yeah, no, that that's a good question. Um, and I'm probably the honestly, I'm, I'm the last person you should should ask that because I don't engage in the media a lot. Um, I don't watch the news a lot. Um, I don't do Facebook a lot. Uh, things like that. And, and that's simply because I try to invest my time in getting things done. And, 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 and so there's a, it's a double-edged sword. And so I spend my time on work and talking with my colleagues to, to help them improve their lives and, and making things better within the system. I work with um, my, my children and, and, and household to, to improve those things and, and things I interact um, because that, that's really the, the things that I care about and I want to focus on and make better. And, and so as busy as we are as production nutritionists and so forth, um, you know, just talking with uh, people, you know, that either on this call or salespeople is really kind of how I get my information, right? And, and, and you know, certainly lately, um, it's become more of a challenge. And, and, and I apologize because I can tell you most emphatically since the last two or three weeks, a lot of my time, you know, has, has become pretty limited. And, and so you know, I'll get to work early. I'll see a couple of emails. I'll try to respond to them. And then I'm off to the races to get whatever I'm trying to get done for the day and put out fires. And often, sadly for myself, Marcio, you and I have talked about this many times, is I'll, I'll get to the end of the day and there, there's probably 75 to 100 emails that I might not have responded to or even looked at, right? Half of them are just um, technical information that I'm going to get from within our system, right? What daily weights are, how many pigs that we farrowed you know, what fee went where, things like that. And so they're important information for me to see, but I may not get time to it. And then there's probably another 25% of those that are people looking for direction or have something that I need to respond to. And, and then there's friends and colleagues of the industry that I, I, I try to case, keep in contact. But my, my challenge is like, it's six o'clock and I want to go home and be engaged and, and refresh myself. Right. And I don't, and, and I mean to come back to it and all of a sudden it's two weeks later. Um, so... I, I'm not a good person at that. Um, so I, I couldn't tell you what platform it is because there is, for myself, there's no one that I, I, I use, I guess. Yeah, it's a tough one. A lot of information, trying to digest everything, right? Yeah. I, I will say, um, you know, one thing I have done more of, and Marcio, you're included, I guess, and, but honestly, I haven't kept as up to date with them because I've been on the phone more as, as I go from event to event right? Listening to podcasts uh, about various things um, are helpful, right? And, and, and I'm probably um, guilty as a lot of people is, you know, look at a headline. If it interests me, it'll grab me. I'll, I'll make the five-minute read. Um, but if it's an email and you get it from me and it's more than four bullet points and three, by the time I get seven in, I'll, I'll, you've probably lost me. I've chased a squirrel somewhere else. Yeah, that makes sense. No, very good. Um, I think that's it, my friends. One question to wrap up here, Chad. There's a lot of folks uh, from the industry, from production systems. I, I see uh, Dr. Andrea Hanson here and uh, also suppliers. So the question is, give, give everyone a challenge. So you as a nutritionist in a, in a very good production system, what is something that you are missing that should happen in the next year or so to make everything better and easier? 
Um, to, to make everything better, you know, I, I think just um, having the processing plants up and, and working would, would be great in, in understanding that. that. That's the short answer. Yeah. Um, but, but the last token I, I would leave with everybody is, um, you know, one of the things that I've gotten better in the, in the last probably two to three years is, is there's a quote uh, by Ralph Waldo uh, Emerson, and, and it just says, you know, finish each day and be done with it, right? You've done all that you could, you know, if you've had some blunders, there's some absurdities that happened, but, you know, don't hold on to them anymore. Start tomorrow with it as a new day and, and look uh, with serenity and high spirit that you're going to be unencumbered to all the old nonsense of yesterday, right? And so as, as I think all of us have worked in agriculture and we've seen how much we've progressed on these different things, if it's uh, carbon footprint, if it's feed efficiency, if it's, you know, um, pounds of, you know, viable uh, poor protein product to uh, people, we've gotten much better. And, and, and the times that we're going through are really tough on us and our colleagues. But um, just remember that you walk away every day, you, you figured something out and you're going to be a little bit better. And, and, and we're going to grow from this. You're going to learn new processes and things that are make you better. So don't go home thinking that you, you lost for the day. Go home feeling that, hey, I figured something out, and I know how to accept this challenge. Now, you may have more challenges tomorrow, but, but we're, we're figuring this out bit by bit. Um, look forward, uh, not backwards. You're not going that direction. You're going forward. So look forward. Very good. Very profound, Chad. I appreciate that. That's it's a tough moment for a lot, uh, most everyone in the pig industry, and um, I'm sure I'm sure we're gonna go through it and uh, come out come out better as last time. So yeah, I think we all will. Very good, my friends. Uh, everyone here, thanks so much. Good night, everyone. Thanks, chat, for your time. Thanks, everyone. Have a nice evening. Hey, everyone. Please share our episodes with as many people as you can so we can continue to impact the life of swine professionals from around the globe with the wisdom of our great guests. Before you go, make sure to get in our waitlist for the Swine Talks Web Conference, the first online conference of the global swine industry, an update on hot topics, and we even gonna have some controversial topics of the global swine industry. So you can leverage that knowledge in your day today. Go to swinetalks.com and get on our wait list. We'll talk soon.